Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by best-selling writer Kathy Rikes. The Bone Hacker, her latest novel and the 22nd novel in the Temperance Brennan series, has just been published. Rikes' first novel, Deja Deb, became a New York Times bestseller and won the 1997 Ellis Award for Best First Novel. Yeah. Dr. Reitz is one of only 100 forensic anthropologists ever certified by the American Board of Forensic Anthropology. And Dr. Reitz was also a producer of the hit Fox TV series, Bones, which is based on her work and her novels. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, The Bone Hacker, how would you describe the novel? Oh, well, it's a Temperance Brennan novel. Um, it starts out, <clears throat> a man falls off of a bridge and Tempe's at, in Montreal. She's asked to help recover and identify him. His tattoo links him to a gang in the Turks and Caicos Islands. So she calls down there. The detective insists on coming to Montreal. Her reason is that she wants to persuade Tempe to go to Turks and Caicos to help her with a serial excuse me, serial killer situation. So while Tempe's down there, the FBI becomes involved in the investigation and it turns out that there is cyber crime going on. So the title has to do with the fact that this serial killer hacks off the hands of his victims, but also that these cyber criminals are hacking into uh, various systems. That's great. I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing this novel? Yeah, I read a New York Times expose by Ronan Farrow and a co-author, and I, I don't remember the co-author's name, on NSO and Pegasus. Pegasus is a very powerful spyware that the, was developed in Israel, and many governments have purchased it. The U.S. government was considering purchasing it and decided not to in the long run, but it's what's called a no-click uh, spyware. You don't have to download anything or click on anything for it to end up in your phone. So it's a very scary idea that this spyware could end up on anybody's phone or other device, and the government could uh, could spy on them. So I thought, well, gee, that's a little scary and intriguing. So I took that idea as the core, you know, kind of the nugget. And then I asked myself, well, what if this, or what if that, or what if, you know, some villain out there develops a hackware that, a ha an ability to hack a spyware that gives him that capability. So that's, that's where the story idea came from. Well, I wonder if we can go back. Can you tell us about your original writing journey that led you to writing Deja Dead, the first Temperance Brennan novel? Uh, yeah, I started that novel back in 1994. I had never written fiction before. Well, maybe my resume, but other than that, <laughs> I hadn't really written fiction. Um, but I was, uh, I made full professor at the university where I was teaching, which meant I could, you know, pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. And I had just finished working on a serial murder case in Montreal that had some very interesting elements to it. It, a dismembered corpse, but the details of how the perpetrator did it were intriguing. So I, I had a, a, the freedom to try something new. I had the story idea. <clears throat> also, my kids were talking about 
going to very expensive private colleges. And I thought, well, maybe I can write a book and make a little bit of extra income on the side. Well, as I mentioned, The Bone Hackers, the 22nd novel in the series, you're a best-selling writer. I'm curious, when you sit down to start writing a new novel, do you ever feel pressure or anxiety in terms of writing another bestseller? And if so, how do you deal with that? Anxiety, no. Uh, pressure, yes, because I'm on and have always been on a book a year contract. So I owe a manuscript to my publisher, <laughs> excuse me, every <laughs> single year. And so the way I deal with it, when I wrote Deja Dad way back in the day, I had to fit it in between teaching university full-time mm -hmm. and commuting back and forth between the Carolinas and Canada to do forensic casework. So anytime I had a free minute, I had to write, whether it was a weekend or summer vacation or you know school breaks or whatever. So I think that has carried over through 20, 22 novels, and I write um, every day as long as I'm home and, and free and not, you know, committed to doing something else. So that I don't allow myself the freedom to say, ah, I'm not in the mood or <laughs> muses are not with me or whatever. I sit down and I produce something because you can't edit a blank page. You know, you've got to produce something. Sure. Well, well, given your novels, are you constantly reading or researching forensic literature and journals for ideas for future novels? Yes, I read the American Journal of Forensic Sciences religiously. I meet every Wednesday night with five other forensic anthropology board certified forensic anthropology women. And we talk about, well, everything, but we talk about the field and different cases. And so I get lots of ideas from that. I also regularly attend the American Academy of Forensic Sciences meeting and interact with colleagues in all the different forensic areas, whether it's you know, blood spatter pattern analysis or toxicology or forensic psychiatry or forensic engineering or whatever it happens to be. So I'm constantly on the lookout for ideas and new techniques in forensic science because my, my readers don't want to just read about bones and bones and more bones. So mm -hmm. book, uh, I write mis murder mysteries. The difference is the solution is science driven. So in each book, I feature a different um, aspect of forensic science. Well, I'm curious. I mean, you talked about your book a year uh, uh, pace. What is your writing process when you are working on a novel? You talked about earlier with the bone hacker, you read this article in the New York times about this uh, spyware and hacking. And then um, you kind of, kind of spun out the idea from there. Do you sit down before you start writing the first page and, and plot out the novel? Or are you someone where you have kind of that basic idea and then you just kind of dive into the story? How does that work for you? Yeah, I'm more of a pantser than a plotter. Um, I, you know, go by the seat of my pants as the story is developing. I do a very brief outline of maybe the first <clears throat> six, seven, eight chapters, just a paragraph for each one. And then I start writing. I know where the story's going. I know what, you know, the crime will be solved and the bad guy will get caught. But I don't always know who the villain is when I start out. I know the motivation. Murder is the only kind of crime you have to have a motive. You know, we don't need that for robbery or kidnapping or what, you know, we know the motive. So um, 
yeah, I have all of that floating around in my head and I do a brief outline. I know who my main characters are, of course, Temperance Brennan and whoever she's working with on the Canada end or the Charlotte end or wherever she goes. Um, but I'm going to bring in peripheral characters in each story. So I think about them and, you know, a brief little, I, I keep a file called characters. And in, in there, I have a little, very brief description of who each character is. I decide on the setting. Um, she's largely in the Carolinas and Canada, but she gets around. I mean, in this book, she's in the Turks and Caicos Islands. She's been to Yellowknife, which is burning right now. It's so sad. Up in the Northwest Territories, she's been to Guatemala. She's been to places I've been. She's been to Afghanistan because I went to Afghanistan a few years back uh, on a USO tour to thank our troops for their service. Anyways, she's been to Israel. So I went to Israel to research for two weeks. So yes, yeah, setting, character, and then the storyline. I have all of that in my head. And then I just start writing. I do keep an outline, what I think of as a post-mortem outline, because mm -hmm. as I finish each chapter, I enter into an outline. <laughs> so when I finish the book, I do have a complete outline of what happened in what chapter. <laughs> I'm curious with, with your process, have you oh, ever yes. written yourself yeah. into kind of a corner or a hole? And, and if so, how, how do you deal with that? Do you kind of back up and think about um, where you were going? I don't think I've ever written myself into a hole, but mm -hmm. there are things I've written that you're in charge. You have the delete key. The next day, you're the one <laughs> and hit the delete key or the added key or whatever. <clears throat> and sometimes I go with it. You know, it's not a direction I saw the story taking, but if I write that and then I think, well, that, you know, that's pretty good. That's a twist. <clears throat> it surprised me. So it's probably going to surprise my reader, which as reader of thrillers, um, that's a good thing. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Write. Whenever you have the opportunity, write, whether that's, <clears throat> excuse me, one hour a day or one hour a week or, you know, every other weekend, sit, sit down and produce something. Because if you don't write something, you can't. I hope you can edit that out. That would be my advice um, is you have to write. You can't say to yourself, I'm not in the mood. You have to sit down <clears throat> during that block of time and put something on the page, on the screen. <laughs> have you started working on your next novel yet? I am working on book number 23. It will be called Fire and Bones. Let me think. <laughs> What can I tell you about it? Book 23 will be set in Washington, D.C. It will start out with a fire, not surprisingly, <laughs> and um, bodies that are discovered in the burned building. That's all I'm going to tell you. Sure, sure. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, sorry. I've just discovered an author named... Lou Burney, I had not read any of his books. I read one and I ordered another one right away. So I'm enjoying his work. And I'm curious, uh, hang on just one second. Um, what was the experience of, of seeing Bones on the TV screen for you? 
I had a great experience with the TV show. I'm not an author who's going to say they took my work and ruined it. I loved it. I thought Emily Deschanel did a fantastic job playing Temperance Brennan. It's different. I think of book t- Tempe and TV Tempe. TV mm-hmm. is younger. <clears throat> she's work. She's working at the Jeffersonian in Washington D.C. But I I liked what they did with the show, and I liked the fact that book Tempe and TV Tempe are different. So I'm not impacted by book by TV Tempe when I'm creating mm-hmm. a story involving book Tempe. Here. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your Temperance Brennan novels? People can find me online everywhere. I'm on Facebook. I have a website, kathyreichs.com. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, you know, wherever fine authors are found, that you'll find me there. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking to best-selling writer Kathy Reichs. Her latest Temperance Brennan novel, The Bone Hacker, has just been published. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Kathy, thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Thank you so much for inviting me. Wonderful.